On this podcast, you're going to be hearing some pretty terrible subject matter. We know what you're thinking. That's why we're here. Keep going. However, topics covered may cause emotional or physiological distress to listeners and discretion is advised. Sources for this episode can be found in the show notes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's Terrible. Keep going. I'm your co-host, Casey Kay. And I'm Amy Kay. And you're finally not sick. I know, about time. So sorry about the last two episodes, but thank gosh she has a normal voice today. Yes. Sorry that I caught a virus. (laughs) Yeah, you will be. Uh, (laughs) Shall we just dive straight in? Yes, as per usual. Okay. So have you heard of a song by the Irish band, the Boomtown Rats called I Don't Like Mondays? Yes, I can. You're going to give us a oh – no, I, can, I can recall. <laughs> can you give us a demonstration? Won't be doing that today because we want to keep all of our listeners. Thank but God. we'll actually be covering the terrible ordeal which inspired Bob Geldof and Johnny Fingers to write the song. Oh. Also, it's TTKG's first shooter-centric episode. Don't sound so excited. <laughs> no, I am for the for the, the the true crime nature of it, but not for the events, of course. Yes. And we'll be discussing events occurring at an elementary school. So please, if there are any sensitivities there amongst our listener friends, please tread carefully. So little children might be in, or they are involved in this case. Hmm. Let's get into it, shall we? Mm-hmm. So let's start at the beginning with a woman or a teenager called Brenda Ann Spencer. She was born in San Diego, California on April 3rd, 1962 to a relatively poor family. And at the age of nine, she lived with her father, Wallace Spencer, who was a university technician after her parents split up. Okay. Life did not sound good for Brenda, though. So many articles noted that Wallace was actually an antisocial loner, lived in poverty and in in a house strewn with empty beer and whiskey bottles. Not a good start. Not a great start at all. He was also a very avid hunting enthusiast and according to locals, he had enough ammunition in his house for a small army. Mm. Is this Brenda's dad? This is Brenda's dad and with whom she lived with when their parents split when she was nine years old. Okay. So this is terrible, but both Wallace and Brenda slept on a single mattress on the living room floor of their house and the relationship was not a good one. Mm. She would later go on to make claims that her father abused her, more specifically that he would have drunken bouts with which he subjected her to beatings and sexual abuse. Oh, gosh. Do you know, was it they had separate single mattresses or is in the I think they shared one. Like he forced her to sleep on his mattress. Mm. So now he always denied this, though, so the sexual abuse and the beatings. And given the way Brenda was with journalists and investigators later, her claims were always met with some skepticism. Okay. So, they didn't add up or yeah. they kept changing maybe? So they, they didn't know what to really believe on Brenda's account but also Wallace. But I will say this, Brenda's mother, Dot or Dorothy, who was essentially absent after the separation, though, um, as Brenda – as Brenda actually suggests in a quote about her mother, she just wasn't there. 
Mm. But she actually said said and suspected that Brenda and her father had an unhealthy relationship and she sh- she actually couldn't afford a lawyer to fight for custody or to intervene in any way. Okay. It is interesting that he would have got custody though before yeah. her because especially back then they favoured the mum. Yeah. Um, but maybe the father fought for it. I'm not sure. But I'll... I'll get to it a bit later, but there is something weird that happens later on after the events that I'll tell you that makes me actually believe that Brenda was telling the truth about her abuse. I'll tell you a bit uh, later. It's okay. icky as hell. Yeah. Um, also, before we get to when she was a bit older or later on, they ran tests on her brain. So like later on um, after events, they wanted to see if there was anything wrong in her brain and discovered that she somehow sustained a temporal lobe injury, which her parents could only manage to attribute to an accident on her bike when she was younger. Right. So this is just letting us know that she's already dealing with a brain injury with which may be an underlying contributor to some of the later events or some of her perhaps abnormal psychology or mental health issues that she suffers. As we know, it really affects oh, exactly. human. But a little bit more about Brenda now. So we fast forward to 1978 when Brenda is 15 going on 16 and she was five foot two inches tall. So like the same height as us mm. um, and unusually thin apparently and had long, bright, long, red, wavy hair. Oh. So this might be a bit mean, but her classmates described her as pretty crummy looking. Oh. So I, when looking at her though, and we'll post some shots in our Insta, she certainly looks petite and is wearing thick rim glasses with long hair draping like each side of her face. I wouldn't actually say she was crummy looking, but she is certainly petite and also had like a somber or sad look about her. Okay. But she looked, if you think of like a really, really young, maybe Gloria Steinem, like that female uh, feminist or the... Um, activist of the time where she had like long hair like think of the 70s that Mm. long draping you know curtain frame around your face yeah in another article they describe brenda also as being introverted and like a scrawny tomboy style and i know they were savage but we'll find out what she did later so maybe they took some liberties there but okay and mentioned that Brand- Brenda was aware that she had also been gay from birth, apparently. Okay. So now more to her antisocial behavior and tendencies in her teenage years. Although very introverted and keeping to herself, she would sometimes talk to people and express things such as hostility towards police and had even spoken about shooting one and had talked of doing it something big to get on television. Oh, I think I see that this is maybe not a victim. Yeah. So we change our minds pretty quickly, which is weird if you're antisocial and then the people you do choose to talk to, the first thing, well, not the first thing, but a thing that you tell them is, yeah, I don't like police and I want to do something big to get on TV. Yeah. (laughs) Not so great. But a little glimmer in her potential here, she actually showed exceptional ability as a photographer, winning a first prize um, contest, uh, first prize in a humane society competition. But apart from that, she was generally uninterested in school and often skipped classes. 
Okay. So, Humane societies in like social justice. Yeah, it might have been like a thing at their school. I didn't get too much information about it, but mm. that sounds about right. She attended a Patrick Henry High School where one teacher recalled frequently inquiring if she was actually awake in class because she appeared always zoned out. Mm. Her truancy from school, i.e. missing heaps of class, ultimately led um, landed her in a facility for problem students in early 1978. And it was there that the staff saw enough signs to warn her parents that she was suicidal. Aww. So that summer, Brenda was um, seen hunting birds in the neighbourhood, <laughs> was arrested for shooting out the windows of Grover Elementary which with a BB gun, and she was also vand- um, charged with vandalism and burglary of that school. Hold on, elementary though is the equivalent to Australian primary school. Yeah, to my best knowledge. So why was she in there? Okay, so that's important to note because this elementary school was actually across the road from her home. Oh. And she would always watch the children arrive and leave school, like just the sort of you know, the the regular routine when she skipped classes and she would watch them. And But this time the school was not loaded with children. It was empty mm. and that's when she shot at and vandalised and burglarised the school. So it was okay. literally across the road from her home. Yeah. Now we moved, so that's really important to note, so why just a random school? That mm. was because that was the case. But we moved to December of 1978 where her probation officer arranged a psychiatric evaluation which ultimately recommended that Spencer be admitted to a mental hospital for depression. But her father refused to give them permission to take her away from him and told the professionals to leave their family alone. Oh, I wonder why he wanted her. I know. And that becomes a very controversial decision not to, like it was against uh, the psychiatric people were heavily concerned about her mental state. Not to give her the help that That she she needed. needed. With more signs that her father wasn't doing what's best for her. For Christmas in 1978, her father gifted her a Ruger 10-22 semi-automatic 22 caliber rifle with a telescopic sight and 500 rounds of ammunition. <sighs> now, we take what brand like what Brenda's quotes here with a grain of salt given her mental state, but she goes, "I asked for a radio and got a rifle." Right. And she was then pressed why she thought her father did that. And she answered, he brought the rifle so I could kill myself. Oh. So that's what she believed. Oh, my gosh. So like I said, she was going through all sorts of mental issues at the time, but that's her recount. That's what she believed in her mind her father was doing it for. In different articles to varying degrees, it was noted that Brenda had also given a script for epilepsy epilepsy medication with which she would actually take. And she also partook in recreational drugs and drinking heavily at all hours of the day. And it seemed that alcohol was fairly readily available at the home. Yeah. How old was she? So 15, 16 at this point in time. So now we move to the terrible event at the center of the case. So... On a Monday morning of 29th of January, 1979, children go to line up outside the Grover Cleveland Elementary School and they were all waiting for their principal to open the school gates. Mm. Across the street and now 16-year-old Brenda was watching them from her house. 
she should have been at attending school herself that day. That's an actual high school, obviously, not the elementary school. But she skipped class as per usual and later claimed that she had washed her epilepsy medication down with alcohol. What a combo. What a great combo. So these little children lined up outside the gates when Brenda took out her Christmas gift, the 22 semi-automatic rifle, and aimed it out the window and began firing at the kids. That is insane. The school was about 45 metres away from her window, so pretty close. Like when you think of like a 100-metre race at Ath's Day, like half of that distance basically. Well, a swimming pool. Yeah, yeah, spot on. So it's not that far. Mm. Um, Brenda continued to fire roughly 30 rounds for around 20 minutes with her semi-automatic oh, rifle. 20 minutes of 20 shooting. 20 minutes of shooting and absolutely demonstrating no mercy. It was absolute chaos, as you can imagine, the pandemonium as the staff already inside the school charge out to help the terrified and injured children and shouting at parents to drive on as they actually were dropping off more kids to go to school. They were screaming, like, keep driving, do not let stop, keep going. Surely they could have heard or seen what was going on. Yeah, well, Eventually, they were able to alert police while that was happening. Mm. So the principal of the school, Burton Rag, was killed during the attack and he was trying to actually help the children. So he was running out, putting his body on the line. They're good staff, aren't they? Yeah, but they just throw their bodies on the line. Well, that's what you'd expect. Yeah, but you hear that in all, unfortunately, the recent modern-day shootings at schools where children – teachers do the same thing. I feel like most of us know just to protect the young It's we really got sad. Amy K is actually a teacher, Miss, Miss Mrs K, so she knows what it must feel Mrs. like. Mrs. Miss Matt, Miss Matt hasn't dropped in not the knee yet. yet. Not yet. Uh, a custodian named Michael Sucher was also killed as he attempted to pull a student to safety as well as attend to the principal who was shot. Oh, my gosh. Also, an early attending police officer was shot in the neck and only just managed to survive. She's showing no mercy. No mercy, like just target practice. Imagine dropping your kid off and then hearing gunshots on a Monday morning. And that, oh, and back then, I'll describe in sort of the history of school shootings back then, but this was like essentially one of the first of its kind in this nature, like barbaric, but I'll tell, I'll talk about that in a little bit. So that's two adults killed, one police officer injured but miraculously none of the children were killed though eight of them were injured and shot oh my gosh so relieved that she's got a crap aim oh to not get the kids like that but we'll show you maybe why she actually didn't manage to have a fatal shot on the children or we'll talk about it in just a little bit but okay the suspected the death cold would have been even higher if policemen hadn't actually blocked Brenda's line of firing by quickly parking a rubbish truck in the way. Clever. So very smart. And after this, she put down the rifle, barricaded herself in the home, and she waited. And some of the, soon after the police, more police um, and special teams arrived on the scene, they realised that the shots had actually came from Brenda's home. And though the cops sent negotiations to speak with her, she refused to cooperate with them. I'm guessing her dad was at home. I don't think so, no. 
Apparently, she warned authorities that she was still armed and threatened to come out shooting if she was forced to leave her home. In all, the standoff lasted six hours. Wow. During this time, Brenda gave her infamous interview, which we'll talk about in a bit, with the San Diego Union Tribune over the phone. Eventually, Brenda surrendered peacefully and one negotiator remembered promising her Burger King Whopper if she would finally come outside. (sighs) Now, eerily, and it sort of spooked some of the people that ran in the house, like the investigators and police, they found another 200 rounds of ammunition just sitting there waiting to be fired. Oh, gosh. So so maybe she wasn't just all tall. Yeah. Uh, So why did this happen or why did we... Or as the, you know, the song I talk about at the start, do you remember in the song, I Don't Like Mondays, they go, tell me why? Yeah. So you can imagine that this was massive news back then. And a bit of context, as I said, for mass shootings were actually considered rare in America at this time. I mean, there had already been the occasional gun attack on the school premises, but not like this. Mm. So, and the terrible San, San Yurecido McDonald's massacre, which was also in San Diego, where there was 21 people killed and 19 wounded, wasn't actually until 1984. But for the ones that actually occurred at school, so we think of, unfortunately, the terrible events at the Columbine massacre where Mm. 13 people, that wasn't until 1999. And then the Sandy Hook shootings, obviously um, around 2012, and that's where 26 were dead. Mm. And then even in Australian history, we think of our Port Arthur massacre. That wasn't until 1996. Yeah. So this was 70, what was it, 78 or 79? Mm. And then, and this was massive because now in 1979, Brenda was only 16 years old. Yeah. But many people recognize this actually as the first major development in the country's violent history, triggering an era of school massacres. So not a vibe. No. So what did Brenda have to say about it all? She told investigators that she had shot the children and the staff because they made such easy targets. Oh, gosh. I quickly mentioned it before during her standoff that a newspaper reporter was actually trying to ring her neighbours to get eyewitness testimonies. But get this, by chance, one of the numbers that, that he had called was actually Brenda's home phone. Like landline? Yeah. And she answered. Oh. So so quickly he asked her what her motive was and famously she answered, quote, I don't like Mondays. Oh, there we have the song. Yep. And this, and then she said, this livens up the day. News flash, doll. No one likes Mondays. Absolutely. They don't go, you know. No, you go shooting, shooting around. Yet. No. No. Um, We'll jump into it more um, of what she said about the shooting. But whilst we're on this quote, it's obviously the line that made media headlines. So, like, he was the first to run with it. And, like, why did someone shoot? Oh, just because they didn't like Mondays. And news traveled all around the world. So even if people now forget the name Brenda Spencer, they still remember the Boomtown Rat song, which gives some of the tragic accounts of the events that took place. So if you listen to the song... um, you'll actually hear elements of this story in it. So the song actually became number one in the UK singles chart for four weeks. 
and was backed by like an eerie video in which the band performed the piano ballad to a classroom of young children. Oh, gosh. And it was pretty popular in the US, but radio stations in San Diego actually refused to air it for many years after the attack. Probably like too insensitive or too soon as they say. Way too soon. Um, So if you don't know, go on and listen to it. Um, I'm sure you'll agree it's almost like a song from a musical, somewhat of like an upbeat tempo as parts, as dramatic as like a show tune style lyric. Like you'll hear it, but this doesn't match the story. But I'm sure their motive was trying to bring like awareness to it. That's exactly yeah. right. So we remember Bob Geldof's pretty famous for the Live Aid concerts. He's like he himself is a philanthropist and very big into the environment and stuff like that. So it's chorus of I don't like Mondays, tell me why. I don't like Mondays. I want to shoot the whole day down. The writers of the song, Bob Geldof and Johnny Fingers, were writing it as how they saw it presented in the media. So like you said, their take on it um, was exactly how it was just being thrown out there as as senseless as it was. So the lyrics also have the 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 line, the silicon chip inside her head gets switched to overload. Um, and that was the discussion between the band members as to why. So what happened? How could this senseless act occur? And their line for it was that in reference to perhaps her twisted mind. Yeah. Interestingly, they've been interviewed about the song heaps, as you can imagine, Mm. and they were obviously pushed to answer why they would exploit the tragedy. Yeah. But their argument to much what you said was that the song was purposefully churlish and juxtaposed by the tempo and energy so to illustrate how senseless it really was. Mm. And get this, Bob Geldof actually said, quote, she wrote to me saying she was glad she'd done it because I'd made her so famous. And he said which is not a good thing to ever live with. No. Okay, so what? So we'll leave that there, but what happened after she was taken into custody? According to police negotiators during the standoff, quote, she liked to watch the children squirm around after they'd been shot. Oh, my gosh, this is horrible. Also, she had targeted anyone wearing blue, which was her fave color, and those in feather down field co- uh, coats because she, quote, liked to see the feathers fly as bullets hit them. Oh, my gosh. My jaw is on the floor. Yeah, when I sorry, realized. guys. That little bit of silence was, was little Greggy or Amy Kay's face as she was shocked, shocked. Uh, Now, even though she told the police that she downed her epilepsy meds with whiskey, her bloods were taken to test the substances and that were in her system. And guess what? They all came back clear with no alcohol or drugs. Not under the influence. No, as she said. But maybe that's up for contention later. We'll get back to it. But so it's hard to sift through her porkies and see like if she's saying things for the shock of it all or if it's just because she's actually having some mental health issues herself. So the teen's attorney considered pursuing an insanity plea, but it never came to fruition. Mm. And although Brenda Spencer had only been 16 at the time of the shooting, she was charged as an adult due to the severity of her crimes. Unfair, obviously. Agreed. But we must note she did avoid the death penalty due to her age. So she pleaded guilty to two counts of murder in 1980, and although nine counts of attempted murder were 
ultimately dismissed from the case, Spencer was sentenced to concurrent terms of 25 years to life in prison for her crimes. Yeah, good. Her her attorneys continued to argue that the treatment she received from her father, which allegedly included that sexual abuse, was the real reason for her act of senseless violence. Possibly, but... People are abused every day and they turn it. Yeah, not everyone becomes school shooters, you know. Um, Now, the prosecution tried to say that that there was actually no sexual abuse, but remember how I said that there's a reason I believe she was telling the truth before? Mm. Not just because he forced her to share the mattress with him or because her mum believed it too, but also, get this, the father, so that was Wallace Spencer, later married one of his daughter's 17-year-old cellmates who bore a striking resemblance to her. So striking that some people saw them around the neighbourhood and called the police because they thought they were actually looking at Brenda and she should still be in jail. What? Oh, so there's... Oh. So... Did you say it was her cellmate, though? Yeah, so her cellmate got out at 17 years old and, like, looked almost identical to Brenda and he and then he, they later had a daughter together. Hold on. So did he visit Brenda in jail? Is that how they knew each other? I'm guessing, yeah. And how old was he? Oh, gosh, I, I don't have the dates, but certainly old and old enough to be Brenda's dad. Yeah. yeah. That is so icky. So that makes me think that maybe there was a really, really unhealthy thing there that Wallace Spencer was a predatory figure in yeah. in her life. Well, um, he wasn't good. He shouldn't no. have a good upbringing regardless. Regardless, but add that to the mix. So a little bit about her imprisonment and attempts at parole. So she was imprisoned at California Institute for Women in Chino, California, and she continued to receive her treatment for epilepsy and was also receiving treatment for her depression. Mm, finally. Uh, yep. At her first board parole hearing brenda said she had been a user of alcohol and drugs at the time of the crime and the test showing that she did not have drugs in her system when taken into custody must have been falsified so Mm. her narrative is that she definitely did take her epilepsy medication with alcohol but perhaps it's not something that the police wanted to give uh, as court evidence because it may she would be charged less for the crime. And- yeah, so they swept it under the rug, so, so she says. Yes, yeah. so she says. Then at a hearing in 2001, Brenda again mentioned her father had beaten and sexually abused her. Um, and this was not to say that that excuses her for shooting, but it just means, you know, that her sense. Sen- tell me why. Yeah, yeah. essentially, and that um, she shouldn't, like her crime, her sentence shouldn't be so harsh she should still do the time, but that it should be at least that she's eligible for parole. Yeah. Um, but the parole board chairman said that as she did not previously tell prison staff about the allegations, he doubted whether they were true. Yeah. And also there's a bit of like holes in that to go after kids. Like I can – you can understand maybe if she lashed out and like shot a man or something, yeah. but to – To to shoot kids kids for no reason. For no reason. So then she had many parole hearings in 2006, 16, 19, and again in 2022, all of which she had been denied. And many people, including the survivors, continue to fight against her parole. Yeah. Um, 
and including the actual deputy district attorney um, who who serves for San Diego, says she hurts so many people and so much to do with what's starting a deadly trend in America. Yeah. So it's more also the, the symbolic nature of it all mm. that they cannot parole someone who is the antithesis of what's wrong with yeah. school shootings and stuff in America. So her lawyers claim that she had made great efforts to rehabilitate herself in prison and also at her most recent hearing um, she confessed that with every school shooting I feel I'm partially partially responsible. What if they got the idea from what I did? So she's actually demonstrating remorse. Yeah. At the parole she also changes her tact on how the shootings that took place that day. So remember before she said, it's my favourite colour blue, I like to see the feathers pluff on the kids. Um, she actually claims that she didn't realise she was shooting at school children. She was mistaking them for birds. Oh, come on, man. So I think this is really bizarre because she shot the, the adults as well. She wants out. Yeah. She wants that parole. And another hearing, she said um, she opened fire because she wanted the police to kill her. Some of her defence team commented that when they first met her, quote, she was like a total zombie pale, ashen, and with no recollection of what had occurred. She stayed that way for quite some time. Mm. And an expert from Yale, the Yale University believed that she might have actually been in a dissociative state. I don't know really what to believe here, but she actually wrote to her defense in neat handwriting, quote, what I did was horrible, so I don't really complain about the amount of time that I've done. Okay. She also said that she never should have been given a gun and it was terrible that she had access to it. So I guess in hindsight, it's easy to say these things. Mm. But she also ran around with a BB gun shooting at the neighborhood. Yeah. Also, at one of the parole hearings, she was uncontrollably crying and emotional. And it was rather extreme, like not just sad about the crime, but just more in hysterics. And apparently many were afraid of her emotional instability. Mm. And others claim that this would ha- wouldn't have happened if she actually got the help in the first place as well. Yeah, which is true. So I can see where both sides, I guess, somewhat sit. But I'll leave us with this doll. Wilfred, Wilfred Sulcher, the son of the murdered school care, of the school caretaker, mm. posted it at a parole hearing um, when they were thinking of his latest one. My question is, will there be another boring Monday for her? Oh, yeah. As like after everything that was said and done, her comment of I don't like Mondays, mm. that was her justification. Well, will there be another boring time where she just has just snaps as well? Yeah, because if she was actually sitting in that room barricaded like freaking out, she wouldn't have answered and said something so like smart. Yeah, and smug. She she would be like, oh, like freaking what have I out done? on the phone. Yep. Mm. And so she's sixty one years old, still in prison to this day. So, um, she looks drastically different to that those little photos that we see on the news. We'll post it on our socials, guys. But and dolls. But that's the story behind why I, I don't like Mondays. Yeah. Well, I don't like num- Mondays, but I'm not gonna go. No. Shoot on it. But I guess from TTKG that we're going to say TTYL and we'll not see you next time, but uh, we'll, we'll speak to you next time. We'll speak to you in August, everyone. You. Bye. Bye.
Goodbye.